I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. And I and I and I, and I will be heard. You're listening to the Vital Voices podcast. I'm Elise Nelson. Receding tree lines, smoke inhalation, unreliable energy, unstable employment. Social entrepreneur Habiba Ali saw all of these problems impacting the community around her. And she knew that the solution to those problems lied in renewable energy. Habiba and her team at Sasai Renewable Energy solve problems every day with renewable energy technology. From cook stoves to solar mobile phone chargers to agriculture technologies, Habiba and her team find problems that impact a community most, and then they work with that community to really create the technological solutions to bring about change. I sat down with Habiba Ali a few weeks ago as she was one of our 2019 Global Leadership Award honorees for her economic empowerment. Habiba, how are you? I'm fine, Elise. Thank you. It was so wonderful to have you here this week um, as one of our honorees for the Global Leadership Awards. Why was this award meaningful to you? What was it like to be on that stage at the Kennedy Center, 2,500 you know, roaring fans, <laughs> excited about your work? Why was it meaningful? Well, it was meaningful for me for a number of reasons, but I would just... Um, zoning on one. It was meaningful because I never expected it. Um, at the time I started my work, it was simply that I saw a problem and I wanted to do something about it. And so um, looking back that day, I realized that this is huge and this means someone has seen what I am doing. And for me, that means now the work begins. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like all that I had done was not enough, and it was more of a challenge mm. than a recognition for me. Yeah. yeah, laying down the gauntlet. Exactly. <laughs> so I just feel that it's time now to go back home and say, you know what? We could win the Global Leadership Awards, everybody, but now we need to make it, you know, worth it. We need to do something that makes it. Yes, if anyone comes here saying they say, "Oh my God, you need another leadership award," you mm. know something like that. So, yes, this is for me what it meant. It mm. meant a lot. It, it it also felt. I looked around the other honorees. Now I was the only black woman from Northern Nigeria, which is like huge. Really, mm. it was a big deal for me. Mm. So. Take us back to how you started your work. What, what I find so compelling about the work that you do is you don't just bring in new technology and drop it off at the community and say, best of luck. You really build solutions with the community, understanding that you need their buy-in, their engagement, um, and really their leadership mm -hmm. to actually implement those technologies. So, so how did you get started? And, and where did that philosophy that you have come from? Because we're big believers in that mm -hmm. philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, when I started, it was simply because I, I, I started with a, a mother who cooked by the roadside on open fires mm. and by the light of kerosene lanterns. And growing up and starting an NGO, I was at the point at that job um, uh, thinking of what to do next. 
And, and what was that NGO focused on? It was um, Developmental Association for Renewable Energies. It was oh, more still? like, yeah, it was more like um, in, educate people about the technologies and let them know it existed and, you know, the, mm. the effects of it. But what even led you to that? So as a, as a, as a young child, mm-hmm. how did you know that this was not this was not right to use, you know, cook stoves and... Well, I got to find out when I attended a, a, a workshop that um, for every hour a woman, I mean, every two hours a woman or a man or whoever stayed in an enclosed space with either an open fire or a kerosene lantern, they had smoked an equivalent of two packs of cigarettes. Whew. Yes, wow. and that was so scary because, I mean, having grown up with the, the way I did, I just couldn't help but keep thinking... Is that why I wear glasses? Is that why my mom wears glasses? My sister had a lot of um, asthma attacks and all. I, I, I don't know if that mm-hmm. was a reason and she died eventually. So I just kept thinking about it. And I still, even at that point, was still buying food on the road, on the way home from women who sold by the open, on the open fire by the kerosene lanterns. Mm-hmm. So nothing had changed. And I was already like, this was like, I'd been in this system for 20 years or more. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't imagine that we were going to continue like this for the next how many years. And I kept researching and I realized that besides just the health issues, there was a huge environmental catastrophe coming up. We were losing trees like, you know, we were losing forests. We no longer had forests. And that's when it, it, you know, it just settles in that the trees we sat underneath to listen to stories, to have Arabic classes, were all gone. Now, if Mm. we wanted to take our children to Arabic classes, it were in like bricks, you know, they were in class classrooms and we sat under a tree with yeah. the sweet wind blowing us. And, we, you know, it was just awesome to grow up in such a community. And then it just everything just came r- rushing back that there was something somebody had to do something. And I, I, I at that point said, you know what? Anything to give the women by the roadside something else other than a kerosene lantern was what was on my head. Mm. And with support from then by Barefoot Power and Kiva. And I would always say Kiva was a good one for us because it was $22,954 of money that, you know, wow. was so important. So we did that. And then luckily with Sequest Capital, my partners that are based in um, D.C. now, we started a cookstove project. Mm. And the cookstove project was a United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change um, registered project. And that's, that was what ensured 40,000 cookstoves got out there. And wow. Then the extra 20,000 was what Suse did on its own with portable stoves and all that. So, but every time you go into these communities, you always see these problems. Maybe you're going with a, with a, with a cookstove and then you're sitting down to talk to them about how to use the cookstove. And you find that the people are just, well, you know, this is really not my problem. It's not the cookstove. Can we get light? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you maybe you're sitting down there, someone you maybe you're thirsty and you want to drink water, and they say, Oh, that they go get you water from this like very dirty port. And you are like, Don't you know this water might be the reason why your child is sick? And they are like, Well, what can we do? We don't have a choice. So all of these things just make you keep thinking, wow. Then we have these discussions with them, and you they really love to talk. And I love to listen to them. I like to sit. I mean, that's the only part where you can actually have an outdoor experience, just sitting down there and just having these conversations with them. And just listening. Mm. Today, how many communities are you working in? Well, the communities are like a lot. I, I don't know in, in communities because some of them have even trickled out, you know. Yes. But like f- main communities that I'm sure of are about 30 at least. Mm. Yeah. But um, like they've trickled because I, I try to say community par maybe woman who is handling that community. 
and I'm sure if I keep digging deep, he'll be up to a hundred. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's just leave it. At so explain your model at Sasai. What do you what What do you do? You bring the products, yeah. and then people. Uh, People take those products and they pay back over time, or explain the model. Okay, so when we started, um, I mean, solar, solar technologies, improved cookstoves are not cheap. This is this is reality. And how much? How much is? It depends um, on the size. Okay, let's take the cookstoves. The mi- the minimum you can get one cookstove is about forty dollars, fifty dollars. You know, I mean that's what it gets to the con- um, consumers as. By the time you t- put in all the customs expen- expenses and everything, there's a cheaper version on the, imp- um, the UNFCCCC project, but that is also when there is a project. So when the project right. is out, you need to yeah. sell the portable ones, which is like ranges from um, 30 to... And they get their energy from solar. No, those ones no. actually get, they, they improve upon either charcoal or firewood. Got it. Okay. So that means it saves about 70% of the charcoal you use or the firewood you mm. use. When we started, we tried to do solar cookstoves, but solar cookstoves didn't get much acceptance because the people just couldn't cook outside. It, it needed you to have the, like, the sunshine and people wanted to cook, had to, sorry, had to cook outside. And Nigerians, I mean, Northern Nigerians are very private people. Okay. They don't want to cook outside. They don't want people to see, you don't want your neighbor to know what you're cooking. And then they consider the days it rains. And then these technologies were like much, much more expensive. I mean, each solar cooker parabolic then was 150 euros. Mm. I mean, how many people could buy, if you had to buy one, a whole community had to use it. Right. And everyone had to cook all their meals during the day. Mm. So the whole practicability of this didn't work. And just this, this we knew just by talking to the people. And it was actually the cook stoves, the solar cookers that made me realize it's not just about bringing the technology. It's about talking to the people mm. and understanding. The solar parabolic cooker was awesome because, I mean, if I am going for a picnic, I can cook with it and that's fine. Sure. Yeah, but it's not something I want it's to not. use every day, you know. Yeah. So, and these people, you want to give them a solution they use every day. Yeah. So we thought, okay, what's practical? And some of us in Africa, we are like, I mean, in Nigeria for sure, some people say, well, you know, the jollof rice that's cooked on, an, on a firewood tastes better than that one cooked on a cleaner cook stove. So we, 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 we kind of thought about it. Okay, you still get the firewood smell, but, you know, we've optimized the use. So you don't have to cut down 10 trees. You now have to, you can only cut branches of oil 10 trees. And the, the, these trees could actually regenerate mm. if allowed to, you know, survive. Mm. So this is the reason. And um, one thing that we're talking about with my partners in D.C. again to do now is, if possible, find a way to tie in when we get another, because we're trying to expand on the CDM project. If we're able to expand on that, it's to add on uh, tree seedlings to the project. So if you have a cook stove built for you, you're given a seedling. And if that seedling survives six months when we come for verification, you get another seedling, you mm. know, so something like that, just to encourage reforestation alongside the project. Wow, yes. fantastic. Tell me about your impact. How many people have you reached? Well, okay, so each farm in Nigeria, in northern Nigeria, we have families where you have four wives, mm. each woman having 10 children, wow. 40-member wow. households, yeah. Wow. And if we have sold 60,000 cookstoves, if you do the multiplication, it's huge. Mm. I mean, but we, we take an average of eight people per household. And by the time we talk about the cookstoves and you put on the solar lanterns, mm-hmm. we're already reaching like 500,000 people minimum. Mm. I am almost certain it's like somewhere around 750, but 
you know, just be conservative and just save right. five hundred thousand for now. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. And I can only imagine the environmental impact. Exactly. And that's that, that leads me to the question of those people who care about the environment. And we know there is a huge, you know, constituency of people mm-hmm. who are very concerned, including myself <laughs> and you, obviously, are very concerned about the environment and are investing in all kinds of of, of different means to, to deal with environmental degradation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. are those same people investing in you? Well, you know, unfortunately, one of the things we haven't been lucky with is investment. And um, we've been able to get by by a number of, um, you know, I, I always tell people, when people say, how do you manage? I say, I'm stubborn, <laughs> you know. Ah. Even when I'm seeing that it's a huge problem, I just don't want to go back. You know, if I want to go back, if I had to go back, no one will do this, and that's what scares me. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm the Messiah, but I just feel <laughs> like <laughs> I just feel like someone. If I keep doing it, then yeah, something is done. I can see that something is done, yeah. and now I can't even go back and decide not to do it because the people already know me, and they come looking for me to say, "You haven't still come to us. We're still waiting for yeah. you." So you have many so communities too, waiting. Too many. Too many. And unfortunately, getting the right kind of investment has been very, very tough. We've gotten a number of um, a little loan from a crowdfunding platform that's already like it, it got swallowed up within like one minute mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's huge, yeah. Because there's so many people waiting for the exactly, product. Exactly, exactly. And that that that's money we put it into the technology, but forgetting that we had operational expenses every month. It's a struggle to pay my bills. And, you know, you can only do something impact socially when you are actually, you know, very balanced yourself. Right, right. So you you really need investors who are patient for the return. Because the return will come, especially as you expand. It will come. Because there's such a need. And there's huge environmental returns and health returns. There's huge environmental returns. There's huge financial returns. But it's just that it would not be immediate financial returns. I need patient capital. The truth of the matter is there's so much to be done, obviously. I mean, I told, I was saying um, at a meeting yesterday, I have 14,900 orders for a certain one kind of product, sitting down and waiting. I have 15 communities that need mini grids. So the the, the need is huge. I mean, it's huge. And they don't have the ability to pay right away. Exactly. So and they pay must, over time. Exactly. So that's just the only snag. And But I don't look at it like a snag. I look at it more like an opportunity. It is. Because yeah. by the time you get in there, you give somebody a solar home system that has a fan, a TV, four lighting points, and they are going to pay you over four years. When they are done paying, the next thing they will want to ask you, can I get a refrigerator? <laughs> Truth. Or they ask you, oh, you know what? I now have five, six more rooms. Can I get more lighting? Right. I want so another endless. TV. So it's endless. It's and endless, you never, right. never, you cannot say this is the end of it. Right. They finish paying in four years. You, you can immediately. And this time around, because they now understand and they know that this is good for them. And because they have a better life. Because for every community we go into, even though we sell... 50 units of, let's say, the PS you go. We want to do something economically driven. Mm. So we do either a solar dryer or a solar irrigation or some milling machine in that community. Something economic has to happen. We, right. don't, we, we don't feel comfortable if we don't give them because they will only pay for this service if they have money. Right. So right. you need to help them understand that there's another way to get money. And solar can, I mean, 
renewable energies can drive this. So by the can time we, that, yeah. we get in there and we leave that, by the time they want to pay in four, four years' time, they are asking you, you know what, I want the one that has four lighting, but without the TV, that means it's cheaper. I will pay cash. Mm. Yes. Fantastic. So you've also, I can imagine, created a network of people who, of, of women, entrepreneurs themselves, who are in communities and selling these products as well as part of society. Is that right? Exactly. We have women who help us to sell the recharge units for the product, for the technologies. That's, you know, for every of these technologies I'm talking about, the pay-as-you-go units, um, it's like you, the way you recharge your phone cards. You, you buy for a month, and it's, if the month is over, you need to recharge it. So the women mm-hmm. sell this um, recharge units um, for a commission. Mm-hmm. And we don't just... Amazingly, we don't just, I mean, men are beginning to come and they are like, you know, they are more bullish. So they're also coming on board and we're having like a balance of men and women. It's really awesome to see that the men are like, wow, these women want to take over. Let's come do something about this. You know? mm. So, but this is quite exciting for me because it's me, it means that more people are beginning to see value. More people are beginning to, and because unfortunately in Northern Nigeria, we still have this um, religious practice of porter. So women uh, can only go as far as their husbands allow them, mm. a lot of women. So um, they can't go to many more communities like the men can. So mm. I still see value in having some men on board who are the ones who can conquer new communities. And when they conquer new communities, we also advise that we would like to have the women in those communities be the ones who do the resale. So they identify, they do the first sale, and then we go in and, you know, recruit mm. women to work with us we need to fine-tune the process of recruiting women do more trainings for them to understand their business capabilities and you know ensure that they are encouraged to keep at it mm. yes mm. so Boko Haram is very active in northern Nigeria oh, yes. how, how do you how do you deal with it? I mean I would imagine that brings much economic instability um Obviously, security issues. How do you deal with that? Has that ever gotten in the way of your business? Severally. <laughs> Severally. Yes. Huh. Yeah. I remember when we started the cook stove project, uh, we had all these amazing plans to uh, sell over 400,000 cook stoves in five years. And we had our figures and we had done baselines and pilots and everything seemed to be in place for the cook stove project between me and Sequest Capital. And the year we got registered as the, at the UN... Boko Haram struck. Wow. And that put that project in limbo for some 24 months because we couldn't go to some communities. My baby was just a, a little boy then, and I remember I had to travel a lot with him. And my son didn't know a road without um, well, um, roadblocks, barricades. Yeah. He didn't know it. I mean, I, I had a two-year-old who, who told a soldier one day, there's no bum here. You know, and that really hurt. That, wow. that really hurt. I mean, up till now, I keep thinking, he doesn't know a road without barricades. And I knew roads without barricades, you know. Yeah, and then, okay. yeah, it, there are days that we get into some communities and we're just starting to, like, talk to the community leader. And we just hear people running. They lock us up in rooms and say, okay, wait, 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 wait. Let these people pass. And I'm like, who? They say, Boko Haram. And you're like, oh, God, am I safe? Ah. And then, so then some of the communities we really wanted to work in, and because we knew there was a need, was like the Far East, Far Northeast. But we couldn't do that anymore. We did all the business. We had very good figures that we could have, you know, done good job, good activities there. But we couldn't. Now it's a devastated state. So we had to leave that out of our everything. From a 400,000 number cook stove, 
which we should have met by now, we just went, we did 40,000. It's, it's wow. nothing compared to what we wanted to do. Right. And so you can imagine. So the Swedish Energy Agency, which was the main buyer of the credits, had to cut down on their buy because Nigeria was no longer stable. But, you know, it's, it's all of this. But who is going to sit back? I think about um, Saskia's story. I mean, it's so hard in Mexico, but she's still doing it. She's still right. fighting. I mean, yeah. if we all sit back and say no one is going to do it, then who is going to do it? And so as, as such, I've had days where I couldn't go back into town because people told me, oh, there's a coffee in town and the roads are blocked. But I still went back in because my son was in town. Right. <laughs> I would right. rather be with him and yeah. I lose him than to be out there and here he's gone. But yeah, things the government needs to do a lot more work when it comes to security. And it's really, really annoying that... Mm. It's still um, this. But in so many ways, you know, economic opportunity is the only thing that will bring an end to that sort exactly, of terrorism. Exactly, exactly. And I remember when we had to do the pot, um, the fixed cook stove, we had to take a lot of youth in communities to help us. Some boys told us, I, I have heard stories of boys who said, oh, I'm so happy you brought this because I was already thinking of doing something else. And I knew what something else meant. Mm. So they wow. were building cook stoves and making money. They had, some people were telling me, you know, I, had my, I, I didn't think of farming this year, mm. but your cook stoves has, has helped me buy fertilizer. Mm. Wow. Somebody sold, bought a motorbike so he could move his stock between communities, you know. And it was so nice because we had to work. We, we, we had an opportunity to work with GIZ and they were doing this farmer um, incubation um, to help them improve their uh, yields. So it was just like tied into the same project and they, they helped us with the market access and all that. And the, mm. the, the, the youth there were like, we even had, we were able to have crops enough to give to this company that GIZ introduced us to. So we're doing good. And this really is the reason why I can't stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. You cannot stop. Yeah. <laughs> you recently were selected as one of the five uh, We Empowered Challenge winners. Mm-hmm. We Empower is a partnership between Vital Voices, UN Foundation, Arizona State University, uh, and a number of other corporate partners. And and really, the, the, the idea behind it is women who are Businesswomen, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs who are really using their businesses mm-hmm. to advance one or more of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And you and I have talked a lot about um, social enterprise and how really that is the future of all enterprise, putting people before profits. Mm-hmm. How do you see that trend coming? And do you think that getting more women into entrepreneurial ventures is going to help drive that transformation in business? Sure. You know, um, I have seen a man start the same kind of business that I'm doing. And I have seen that the passion with which I drive it, the the fact that I'm thinking more human-based, is not priority for them. They are very like, how do we make money out of this? And I think a lot of people don't understand why I do what I do simply because they don't see the money in it. When I have to look for financing, if I go to a man-led, a male-led um, organization, it's not going to happen. But if you can, if you imagine that a woman, once she gets started, I always look at myself and I look at the women around me. Once she gets started and she's thinking, you, you want to make a woman do something? Just tell her, her kids, her family, or someone is going to be affected. And she's just going like she never yes. stops. 
She just no. My family can't suffer this, you know. Yeah. So it's always they. We go beyond and above. I mean, above and beyond ourselves. It's never about us. It's never about what we're going to make out of this thing. So imagine that that same force is empowered to even know, realize the power within and mm. be able to know that by harnessing the strength she has, mm. she can move mountains. And that's, that's like the best thing that can happen to the world. I think social entrepreneurs are women. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not saying there won't be any male social entrepreneurs. Some male have some very female tendencies because social entrepreneurship for me is feminine. And if men can actually, if women can actually be social entrepreneurs, most of the sustainable development goals we're talking about will be achieved like this. 2030 is too far. Mm. Women just bulldoze when they know. The problem with women is realizing it, owning it, knowing that I have the power within. Mm. It took me a while to know myself. And some men will call it emancipation. She's, she's now an emancipated woman, so she's yeah. too much. It's not about that. It's realizing that life is beyond you. Humanity mm. is about giving back and not just about you. That's when you find a woman becoming an activist and being very stubborn and just ensuring that she finds the answer. Mm. Wow. So we need more women as social entrepreneurs. There's no way about it. Mm. There's no other way. It's just women. Mm. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you so much for your incredible thank passion, you so compassion, <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit, and the work you do. Bido Voices is really humbled to have the opportunity to work with you well, and, and to honor you. I'm the one that's, you know, like, I sh I'm so grateful. Bido wow. Voices has been the... Well, this is not the end. It's just the beginning. <laughs> you've you've you. been a, a, a VB Grow fellow. Yes. You've been a Gap mentee. Yeah. Uh, UNSDG Award, I'm yes. now a VV hundred and a Global Leadership Award winner. VV has changed my life. Thank you oh, so much. Yes. Oh. Well, we're thrilled to be part of it. Really Thank you. honored. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Vital Voices podcast. To learn more about Vital Voices, visit vitalvoices.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Vital Voices, on Instagram at Vital Voices, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vital Voices. If you're inspired by what you heard today, you can also donate to Vital Voices by texting podcast to 41444. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.